2: The Sports Betting Network.
3: Football season's here. And we've got our NFL betting guide. Our NFL betting guide is going to help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season. It's got in-depth profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends. That means you're only going to get them here. I figured that out. I figured out what the word proprietary means. Become a V-CIN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19. Get your digital copy of the v NFL betting guide or take advantage of our summer kickoff special. Get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. Sign up today at v slash subscribe. And I always stress, through the Super Bowl, that means the college football guide, which is coming. That means the NBA guide, which I did write the first word. Remember, this is a good <laughs> reference. Uh, you ever watch SpongeBob, the, the one he's got to write the essay, and he's like working and working and working, and then it shows his paper, and he's just written the word the and like really ornate old English? It's exactly what I've done with the NBA betting. We're already getting started. <laughs>
1: there you go. I right. did like your reaction, though, after we got win totals out the other day where it's just like, I might as well start writing the same right thing.
3: That's <laughs> right. It's never too early. Uh, NBA never rests. So with that, let's welcome in Drew Dinsick. Uh, nice enough to give us some time, Analyst for NBC Sports, but you knew that already, at whale underscore capper. Uh, Drew, it's good to talk to you. Important conversations only, first of which is uh, we were, I assumed that you're a very healthy guy. A lot of greens, uh, a lot of proteins, uh, taking care of yourself. Two-part question. First off, uh, bananas, how do you like them? Second, how do you open them?
2: Well, well, I usually eat my bananas raw. Okay. I, I don't prepare them if that was. The I just <laughs> the meant like, semester. do you
3: like it a little green? Do you like it a little with the black spots?
2: Uh, no, 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 no. Get, well, give me uh give me a, uh, a fully ripe banana. Like, okay. The green ones is, that's a waste of everyone's time uh yeah i like the fully ripe bananas too ripe and you know i'm out but uh, so i guess yeah for perfect banana for me is probably fully fully ripe yellow if it's got a little couple a couple of black polka dots on there no big deal
3: all right like it and do you open it normally because that was the other thing oh. there's some psychopaths here they open it at the bottom
2: that's that's uh, I would report them to the FBI yeah, today. See, there
3: we go. See, Adam Candy's a psycho. That's that's a good thing to know. Smart people know these things. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what we've seen. Uh, summer League-wise, we want to break down the games, but one of the things that really stuck out, you know, a lot of people like to react, and the rookie of the year markets are really what move coming out of Summer League contests. Uh, a guy like Victor Wembenyama who was as high as $3 down to minus 130 I think that's more about some of these other rookies coming up to him as opposed to Wembanyama coming back down. I also think it's somewhat foolish, even with a guy like Wembenyama to make him an odds-on favorite this far out. One of the bets that I made, there was an off-market number at 101 on Cam Whitmore. The guy's been awesome. He had 26 and 8 steals yesterday. He's looked like the best player on the floor. I'll just ask you this general question. If you look at anything coming out of Summer League, is that what you're kind of doing with some of these markets? It's just, I want to grab some off numbers on some guys who perform pretty well, and especially when the vast majority of the market's at 20 to 1, and there's like one or two shops at 100 to one. that's worth going and taking a flyer on at this point of the season.
2: Yeah, that's not a crazy strategy. I mean, I get my, my read on the Wemby drift is much more about um, availability yep. uh, question marks um, than it is his ability to produce at the NBA level. I think uh, right full expectation right now, if you're expecting Wemby to play 65 games, I think that's the bull case. Um he's probably gonna get the kid gloves treatment here by the Spurs because they're looking at this as a you know, a five year arc type of deal to ramp him up to kind of being his, you know, most productive self. And that makes sense. They're you know, they don't have a team that really looks realistically like they're going to compete this year. So uh, why put, uh, you know, put miles on uh, your most important piece if it's not going to ultimately, uh, you know, reach, you know, if it's not going to ultimately get you where you want as a franchise. So I think that's mostly what you're seeing with that drift, even more so than the other players looking good. Because what I've seen in summer league is a lot of guys who are going to have some highs and some lows this year. Um, This class has lots of work to do to, uh, to really make meaningful impact at uh, at the NBA um, uh, level. I, I don't see a Paolo in this class. You know, that- I don't see a guy that's just going to uh, come in and, and be able to soak up usage and put up statistics uh, right out of the gate. Um, and I get your point on taking a, a shot like 101 on Cam Whitmore. Obviously, that was a good bet. It's come in quite a lot. Um, but I still look at the Rockets as a team that I don't really understand. Uh, he... <laughs> I mean, he's going he may have a pretty important role for them off the bench, but they're out there signing bets on top of trying to develop young guys in a way that doesn't really gel, you know, gel perfectly. So they might be a hot mess. Um, Henderson, I get coming into because he's going to, you know, once Dame's out of the way, his usage is obviously right there. Um, But if I'm only allowed to have one bet in this market right now, I'll take uh, some Brandon Miller at 12 to one, just because I think. If if you're going to pick one guy out of this group who's going to get usage and is going to have a consistent impact on the score sheet, it's probably Brandon Miller just because of his role in that offense and just, you know, their desperate need for that type of player, you know, plug and play type of deal. Um, you're not going to necessarily necessarily see on the stat sheet, some of the defensive issues with him in that system, but he's going to show up offensively to the tune of, uh, you know, people are going to pay attention to him. So I could see him flipping scoot uh, in sort of the third favorite spot. And um, I could also see Chet Holmgren drifting. I mean, there is a lot of mouths to feed in Oklahoma city. Um, You know, he, his biggest impact for them likely going to be probably on the defensive side, maybe. Um, And, you know, it's uh, it's tough for me to say that uh, you know that Holmgren is going to be able to put up any kind of statistical uh, anomalies that uh, are going to warrant a rookie of the year consideration. So um, by the time we get to say Christmas break, I could see Miller being second favorite in this market.
3: All right, before we get to the Wimbledon matchup between the women, really quickly, want to gauge your thoughts on this. Uh, let's say that it happens and that Damian Lillard is flipped to the Miami Heat. Uh, part of the package is Tyler Hero, probably Duncan Robinson, a match from salaries one of those three second round or excuse me, those three first round picks. The Miami Heat is constructed with their three being Jimmy Butler, Damian Lillard, Bam Adebayo, and the rest of the pieces, which is not really great. Am I wrong? I think the market's a little too high on what that team's going to be,
2: especially in the regular season. Uh, you're not at all. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't really love the composition, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, it's uh, it, it's really strange because I feel like the obvious um, move for Lillard was to try to force his way onto the Celtics for Jalen Brown swap. Um, that, you know, that improves the Celtics dramatically. It improves, you know, his chances of a title dramatically. A lot of redundancy with sort of what end of game state looks like for the heat with Dame Lillard on the floor and um, doesn't exactly fit with sort of the, you know, the overall spolster system. As far as I can tell you now, maybe I'm being ridiculous because Dame Lillard is like, he's a 99 percentile offensive piece. And you put that on a team that otherwise has a bunch of grinders, then uh, you know now you're talking about a, a really competitive team. And the East looks pretty, you know, looks pretty weak outside of the Celtics to me. Um, so it's it's uh, it's probably, you know. Overthinking it to say that uh, the, the Lillard Heat experience could result in a um, you know a, a, a lesser outcome than last year's uh, you know finals appearance, but uh, it doesn't really doesn't really inspire me to go run at that heat. That's for sure. All
3: right, let's transition over to Wimbledon right now. Uh, Novak Djokovic right now a uh, minus 2500 favorite has taken the first two sets here against center in this first semifinals. let's go to the other Alcaraz and Medvedev. Alcaraz right now minus 235 to uh, plus 195 coming back on Medvedev. This is just, of course over at DraftKings, uh, different numbers around the market. What's the breakdown here? Is there anything to play either on the match overall or anything in, in terms of game spread, total games, anything like that?
2: Yeah, current number is fair here, so there's not really any reason to run and bet this. Um, I lean Alcaraz, and I'm going to look for live opportunities to get involved if Medvedev takes the first set through either just Alcaraz being tight or maybe they get to a tiebreak and uh, Medvedev hits a couple of the high leverage points. Um, if you can get an entry point on Alcaraz in this one, anywhere around to pick him, uh, if he's down zero one, uh, or if it's in, you know, it's in a tiebreak and it looks like he's going to lose, like I'll definitely scoop some uh, live Alcaraz because I think he's the better player. I think he's got the legs to outlast Medvedev, and I think Medvedev's tactical approach to this particular surface in this tournament has been pretty lackluster. Um, don't love how far he's standing back. Don't love his, uh, his susceptibility to getting dropped, uh, and you know, in terms of the the, the the, just the absolute superlative drop shot that alcaraz deploys so effectively in terms of surprise um i may be overthinking it because medvedev is a very smart player and he's probably obviously he's looked at the tape he knows what to expect he's going to have some read um but uh, so far at least this looks like uh you know a pretty clear advantage Alcaraz to me Uh, My fair price in terms of games, I think four and a half is right. Uh, If you can get minus four and a half games in the plus money range, I think that's a decent bet still. Um, But the way I see this breaking is probably uh, outcrest three, one or outcrest three, zero. And that'll set up, uh, you know, Wimbledon will finally start on Sunday. Uh, We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Wimbledon to start. And it's almost here. Uh, Now, if Medvedev wins, it never starts. You know, we got to wait another year, but um, yeah, this has been, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a waiting game here for the men's tournament to get in under, you know, into, uh, into the you know, the business end of this tournament so we can see Djokovic truly challenged. And uh, I think that's going to happen Sunday one way or the other, but certainly if it's out, Chris.
3: Uh, about 45 seconds. Anything of Andrasova and Anzabor? Is Jabor a 210 favorite? <sighs>
2: I'm I'm i I'm completely staying out of this one because I am a hard, hardcore Ons Jabor fan and uh I just wanna kick my feet up and enjoy this. Um, I think she's gonna win. I think her fair price is minus two fifty. Uh market right now sitting around minus two twenty. Okay, that's fine. Uh I think there's a small, small edge to Ons, but um yeah, I'm I'm really excited for her and her run in this tournament. And even if she ultimately doesn't win, it's not gonna change my uh my ultimate uh feelings about these last two years. Wimbledon has been all about ons and uh, you know these last two victories in particular were so so meaningful and awesome so really congratulations to her on this run
3: Drew always good to talk to you man thanks a lot hope you're doing well
2: yeah best of luck guys enjoy
3: at whale underscore capper up on Twitter we'll take our break we'll come back plenty left to get to we've left a lot of them in the cutting room before. we gotta keep on going here on the numbers game
4: The numbers
3: told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game
2: with Gil Alexander gone.
3: v sin. Second hour of a numbers game presented by BetMGM, MGM. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. He's going to be back on Monday. Kelly, of course, alongside. Before we get to our expansion on the conversation around the NFC East, I was just yelling about a former NFC East quarterback uh, two seconds ago. We got a lot of energy this morning. You know? That's right. That's Pounded right. a five-hour energy. I consume so much caffeine. For me, it's like a
1: two-and-a-half-hour energy. Oh, we are w- – when you and I are paired together, there's no show that matches the caffeine intake uh, the, of the two of us.
3: The caffeine intake – what I like to think of is our hair is representative representative of our energy. Oh, always okay. up.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, like
3: that. <laughs> 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 it's a good one, right? And just our energy. Look at that. See, I'm a, I'm a quick thinker. I'm a quick thinker, huh? Uh, I, I one time told my dad that I wanted to do. I was like in fifth grade. I told him I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I was like, Dad, I think I'm hilarious, and he laughed at me. He goes, That, that is funny. Uh, <laughs> the ultimate
1: dad joke. You just played right into the ultimate
3: dad joke. Yes. Uh, my my thoughts were shot down. And then, of course, uh, I think I've told you this story before. But then there was the the dream crushing. the, When the first time I had like existential thoughts about my existence were like in fifth grade when we took like these career aptitude tests, and it was like manual labor, farmer. Like stuff like that. And I, I never
1: like, took one of those. I, I like, never wow. got one of those. Yeah. Like, do they still do? So they still do those at some point yep. in school? It's, I never, I, mean, I never took one of
3: those. I think so. It's kind of crushing to give it to like a fourth grader. Like, all yeah, these, that, that feels I very mean, look, early. And I want to say because it sounds like farming is obviously a very hard task and yes. it's a very important job. So yes. I don't want to downplay that. But as a fourth grader who thought like I was kind of smart and wanted to get to like like at one point I wanted to be, this is going to sound crazy. I wanted to be an archaeologist. You know what I mean? It's so, like, I wanted to do, like, smart things and, like, thinking and science and all that stuff. And then they're like, nah, according to this test, thinking's not your game, dude.
1: <laughs> so and, and all the people out there that are thinking JVT just wanted to be Indiana Jones, I, there's, like, a slight chance he hasn't seen any Indiana Jones movies. Um, I have seen the one, Temple of Doom,
3: is that where he rips his heart out? Or yeah. tries to, yeah. at least? Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Wow, s- you saw the
1: first one, man. You okay. broke your rule for that one. But, okay. that, but, again, I always say
3: this, when do you think I watched it?
1: when you were a kid yeah when my dad like when <laughs> my dad, dad made me yeah. watch it or
3: something like that like of course i'm not saying like, i sat down and watched the crystal skull that movie sucked yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah indiana I'm jones kidding. like which one's the one where he shoots the guy with the whip
1: i don't mean, made everyone i don't
3: know no okay, no remember there's there's a scene there's like an iconic scene might right be where the
1: second one it's not it's not the i don't think that happened in the last You know, time scenes, where he's
3: so. like doing all the theatrics with the whip and they're about to fight yeah, And reports, like, I, I don't have time for this like <laughs> by the way very realistic that would be me in any action movie but yes i've seen i've seen that one okay um speaking of I can't think of segue. I was like, Roy McElroy's whipping this course into shape. I can't. Get you that.
1: know, what? your segues have been awesome. They don't have to be awesome every time. That's okay? true. Right. Uh, yeah, with Try the Scottish Open Update brought to you by Bananas, they're delicious no matter right. how you open them up. Uh, we got Ben on, on top right now. He is 10 under par. He just started his second round. He's through four, one under on the day. Major movement in the morning. And JVT, there's nothing like waking up in the morning and seeing one of your guys you bet on have a great round and you missed every shot of it. Gerald Hatton went eight under this morning. He is nine under par uh, for the tournament, tied with Tom Kim and Rory McIlroy. Rory out there on the course right now, three under through ten on his second round. But yeah, just teed under, off on eleven right now, I so. saw. Yeah, nine under for the tournament. Uh, and then you have, in the clubhouse at seven under par, Patrick Harrington, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Nikolai Hoygaard at seven under par. Brian Harmon, which is maybe the biggest surprise on here, is seven under par. He is on the course through six. Four under through six on his round today. Daniel Hillier, six under par. I uh, got a bunch of guys at six under, including Max Homa, Ricky Fowler, Sam Burns. Uh, In that group, I know Matt Brown has a bet on Max Homa, so he'll be rooting that one on. I know our friend Will Hill has a bet on Sam Burns, so he'll be rooting that one on. Uh, And over in Wimbledon, we are in the third set. Yannick Sinner up 5-4 over Novak uh, Djokovic in that set right now, but Novak did take the first two. So he's up two sets to nothing right now. Uh, third set action, if you're looking to get in live, Novak minus 900, Yannick oh. Center plus 550, and just a reminder, we got Alcaraz and Medvedev coming up here, well, it's going to be about 45 minutes after that match finishes, but Alcaraz minus 235, Medvedev plus 195 right now.
3: All right, I like it. Uh, set point number two here for center, I believe, so
1: I don't want to update at
3: all. That's, that's my tennis lingo. That's what I got. There you go. I like the sport. I very much enjoy watching it. It's one of those things that, that, if it's on, I will totally watch as much as I can. But the intricacies of it are something that escape me. Like you were fascinating me. We were talking about the difference in terms of like playing on grass and and clay mm-hmm. and all at hard court and everything like that. That that watching Wimbledon has been always fascinating to me. The concept of playing tennis on grass.
1: Yeah, this is a pretty big action point right now. Yep. He just center just blew it. All right, we're deuced now break with it, him 5-4. Oh, um, Djokovic serving.
3: Sorry, not like tennis break, that jin- like that, that lingo. It looked like he was actually going to break his racket over his knee. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I wanted. I didn't want like uh, you know, I, I get that there's a uh, Yeah, a he term. he
1: he went for the put away. Put away Djokovic forehand there and missed missed wide badly. Wow. Djokovic really playing to the crowd. because uh, I
3: I think I would try to fight everything. Everything I've seen from Djokovic as like a player. I think afterwards I'd try to fight him. Well, like, we, dude, you're annoying. We've Let's hit go. the
1: point in his career, though. Like, if you watch all these ma- matches, we've hit the point in his career where it's like people are like we talk about voter fatigue. Yeah. There's like a Djokovic fatigue. Okay. So any any time he plays. There's like more than half the crowds rooting for the random dude to beat him, especially in early rounds. Like you, if it, we get to the semis and finals, it, it, usually there's smarter tennis fans that, that turn around and start rooting for Djokovic. But I, I think he's been dealing with a lot of that at Wimbledon. So that's why you, you're going to see him look at the crowd very often in these matches. Yeah.
3: Wow. Look at this all of a sudden what down down in the, uh, am I going to get this right? down in the mat, no down in the game 40-15 and all of a sudden Djokovic advantage here
1: there you go yeah okay cool you got all it right. yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: all right i like it i like the eagle eyes. no
1: no he was down 15-40 15-40 15-40 yes. sorry yeah you're right yes yep. 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 cuz he's
3: on serve i apologize apologize it is it is a good watch though all right with that we expand really quickly we're talking about the NFC East bringing in the Saquon Barkley news and tying into this so i was cuz you know you want to get prepped you want to look at some of these things I mentioned the Giants because one of the one of the win totals I had last year, Kelly, was the Giants over the win total. Mm-hmm. One of the easier schedules. I think they had the second easiest schedule by a win total projections last year. Dable's an awesome coach, but now all of a sudden, you know, this is a team that you're going to see coming. You know, some spots were as high as eight and a half for the Giants' win total right now. You see the win total up here seven and a half, and it's right in line with where they were last year. The worry is twofold. It's the thing with Barkley in that he's not going to be available once the season begins. Saquon Barkley, and the other is. There's a universe in which Daniel Jones, uh, for lack of a better term, turns into a little bit of a pumpkin. When you're talking about the way that he played last season, on the surface, he was great. We'll call it fine, actually, as a passer. Overall offensive grade, 75.8. As a passer, though, a PFF grade of 70, which is not great, and a turnover-worthy play rate of 3%. So, essentially, on 3% of his pass attempts, he was committing a turnover-worthy play. Overall, the turnovers and the interceptions were down. But those are things that tend to regress to the mean when you're talking about turnover-worthy play rate and getting a little lucky on those. The best example of that, by the way, is and it, it, it's Patrick Mahomes. Remember, not last year, but the year before, where Mahomes was going through that stretch of committing like a bunch of turnovers. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, you know, what's going on? Actually, his turnover-worthy play rate was identical to what it was at the beginning of his career. It's just that the turnover-worthy plays were actually turning into turnovers. Right. And you were getting a little lucky. Daniel Jones was the inverse of that, where the turnover-worthy plays were not turning into turnovers at such a high rate. So there's universe in which he comes out commits the same rate of turnover-worthy plays, except those turnover-worthy plays become turnovers. And all of a sudden, you're looking around and going, okay, well, he's he is a average to below-average passer by PFF standards. He finished 20th in PFF passing grade. Again, these are only one standard, so you just keep in mind, but it gives us an idea of what's going on. And if that happens, and if Saquon Barkley is not going to be available at the beginning of the year, and you're a team that the market has rated as one of the above-average teams because of how good Dable is... I think that all leads to playing against New York in quite a few ways, whether it's going to be under on the win total, whether it's going to be on a week-to-week basis, because you don't think that a guy like Dable, as good as he is, is going to be able to match the market expectations for his team. But of all of these teams in the NFC East, the one I kind of felt most confident, most confident on in terms of an angle to attack them. It was the New York Giants after what happened with them last year. And, look, their schedule this year is a little bit more challenging, especially that first week, I mean, or that first column through week six. And you could go all the way through the first few, but, like, when you're talking about, at best, coin flip spot against the Cowboys, yes, you get to go to the Cardinals. But then after that, at the 49ers, Seahawks coin flip spot, at the Dolphins, at the Bills consecutive weeks. This is a schedule that is going to present a ton of challenges for the New York Giants on top of market expectations of being an above average slash playoff team this year.
1: I, I, w- I would say if there's anybody who is who is high on the Giants, like let's say they get Barkley signs a franchise tag and whatever, you've been high on them anyways, that's a – this is where I always go through all the schedules and circle spots like this of, of, of the – like the the chunk of the season, right? So like you're talking about, I mean, it is very it is well within reality that they start off two and four or something right. like that. And if you're looking at that if you were gonna play over a win total, wait till that first stretch of the season and just get in live. Like this is that like like you said, that is a really rough schedule to start the season off.
3: I mean, I would argue all the way through the bye week, like it is just when you have a schedule that's littered with at the best coin flip spots almost everywhere you're you're asking for those coin flips to go your way at an above average rate mm-hmm. and that's just not something generally that will happen from you know well a, a lot Now, it can over the course of a short sample size. Like the Vikings last year. Yeah, exactly. And so when you're looking at it from the Giants' standpoint, like, and I would even argue, like, when you're talking about everything all the way through, the Commanders, because obviously it's a divisional opponent, the Jets, at the Raiders, at the Cowboys, at the Commanders, again, home versus the Patriots, a team that at the very least they're going to be power-rated equally to. Like, that's just, it's a lot to ask for the New York Giants to come through this, I think, and... Have a winning record and get to the postseason one more time. As far as the other teams are concerned, I'll be quite honest with you. Like, I'm not entirely sure what I would do with a bunch of these teams. I think a team at the bottom, like, I know a lot of people are very high on the, as high as you can be on a team like Washington. And whatever Sam Howell's going to be, but we're building that off of one game, and that one game still didn't grade out particularly well. But out of all of these three teams, felt as confident in taking an angle on the Giants uh, that I am at least looking at going into next season. All right, let's take our break. When we come back, we have plenty left to get to. More win totals to uh, get through in terms of the NBA as those came out this week over at DraftKings. We can take a look at those. And uh, there's a division out there, the Southwest. There's a team that I have like a guilty pleasure about that we'll discuss.
2: The numbers game on vcent, the sports betting network.
3: Got a lot of stuff up on the website. One of the best tools we have the picks page. You can easily sort through picks made by vcent show hosts and guests. Follow your favorite hosts and whatnot and check out the top vcent experts leaderboard. See who's got the hot hand. Check it out. Introductory offer 19 bucks slash subscribe. Quick uh, housekeeping so I did look it up. Uh, so it was a one. Olajuwon. Um, McDonald's commercial, he was required to uh, dunk chicken nuggets into his mouth. Like, that was the concept mm-hmm. of it. Took 100 takes, five hours. So, he ate 100 nuggets in five hours. Now, he Lijuana... took
1: 100 takes? Yeah. How did this take 100
3: mm-hmm. takes? Who knows? But a finely tuned athlete whose metabolism is probably running a little bit quicker than ours. Maybe a hundred nuggets, no problem. We do have a challenge from downstairs, as Air Wrinkle says that he could do this. Oh,
1: he's accepted. He's exce- I knew he was going to be chomping at the bit for it. And what are the parameters? What, what I tossed out to him was a hundred nuggets because I knew he was going to be cocky about it. To a hundred nuggets in three hours, I knew he would scoff at that. Okay. So I I offered a hundred nuggets in a hundred minutes for a hundred dollars, in only a hundred dollars, and he immediately accepted. Wow. Snap. That's snap hard. Accepted. That's hard. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you're going to yeah. start
3: fast and then you're going to start to slow down. Yep. All right, we're, we're doing this.
1: Uh, actually, we might do that. Isaiah, prepare for that next Friday. Yep. Yes, I think next Friday would be a good day for that.
3: Okay. And we'll have – do we have a camera downstairs? Can we just have, like, a nugget oh, feed? Oh, we
1: can figure out something. Yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. just have, like, a, a nugget, nugget, nugget feed. I yeah, you know that. what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Like, we just, yep. like,
3: panned Isaiah eating chicken nuggets. <laughs> Every once in a while, check in on the counter.
1: <laughs> Isaiah Wrinkle, for those who don't know, a legendary director and graphics uh, operator here. And also – I don't even know what his full title is. Director, uh, manager of the Gojo show that you see on DK Network.
3: So. Yes. Hey, ask Golik. Isaiah, ask Golik about this Sounds. See yeah, what he says. Yeah, yeah. See what he says and if he wants to get in on this. He's
1: probably not going to want him some to do it. Some family bonding between <laughs> us and the DK Network and the guys
3: over there like we had at the Summer League this time <laughs> That's around. Right. Huh? That's
1: right. That's yeah. right.
3: All right. So with that, uh, let's talk a little bit about some more win totals in the NBA. I mentioned a couple of times uh, a, a, a guilty pleasure that I'm going to have next year. So, Kelly, I've posed this to you, and I want to ask in all seriousness if I'm crazy or not. I low-key kind of like what the Dallas Mavericks have done so far Mm -hmm. in this offseason. If you look at the additions and what they were able to do, again, it's one of those things where it's kind of like the Phoenix Suns or the Los Angeles Lakers in that given the hand you were dealt, you did the most you could with it. And I think that's exactly what the, the uh, Mavericks did here. Obviously, it starts with re-signing Kyrie Irving. And I get that that is the, the biggest hurdle. It's, is Kyrie Irving going to be available? All that. Yes, I understand. But outside of Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving being great, you still retain, you still have Tim Hardaway Jr. on this roster. I don't think, it's similar to what we talked about these other pieces. Like, I don't I don't think in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to like NBA betting and whatnot, that the addition of Grant Williams impacts a lot of people the way it should. Grant Williams is a really, really good piece. He is exactly what they've been looking for in terms of a 3 and D wing option. He can hit three-point shots. He can defend. Tim Bontemps on, uh, I think it was Brian Windhorst podcast, had this ridiculous stat where it's like there's been like five players over the last handful of years, or maybe it was just last year, that has guarded every position at least a hundred possessions. Mm. Grant Williams was one of them. Yeah, he, so he he can guard centers, he can guard point guards, and he can guard everything in between. So he's a very vital defensive piece. He can also space the floor. They've got two really good offensive players in Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. They have on their bench Seth Curry. They have another good defensive piece off the bench in Josh Green. The center depth is a little bit better. Dwight Powell, Rashawn Holmes. If if uh, if Derek Lively, the rookie, were, pans out, that's going to be something that really looks, uh, I think, pretty good in terms of their depth. Uh, overall, if Jaden Hardy, if the development of Hardy that we've seen out here in Summer League is real, that's another young piece that they're going to have. And, of course, taking some shots on some guys. Like, what if all of a sudden the Dante Exum that's been tearing up basketball overseas is healthy and ready to go? Like, I kind of really like what was Milwaukee, What? The Dallas Mavericks have done, and if you throw into the equation Kelly, the the Grizzlies and their issues with John Morant and what's going to happen there, having not having him for 25 games, the Pelicans with a long history of not having Zion Williamson available for you know a, a adequate amount of games, we'll call them in a regular season. Am I crazy to think that looking at the Mavericks and going, you know, like over the win total to win the division? Like I don't think it's that crazy for the Dallas Mavericks, even with the way the last season
1: ended. Yeah, I think the – I'd be much more interested in the win total than – I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not as excited as you are about this team. I think the Grant Williams edition is great. I, I think there's a little bit of a – I'm trying not to let myself get overexcited about that edition. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. look, I think at the end of the day, we still got to think – the Boston Celtics let him walk away. And just walk away. And whenever a team does that, it always it it, it always gives me some kind of pause a little bit because I love him too. I love Grant Williams too, and I, I I don't really understand why Boston really did that. Um, in in what I guess you, yes it is to free up some space to bring in Porzingis, but still um, they could have brought they could have figured out a way to bring him back. Um, I, I think there's a little bit of pause for me in that and. What I think you're saying is it's all true in all their JVt, but I think I think the ceiling for this team is very high, yeah, but I think the floor could be exactly what we saw last year or or somewhere in the in that range. so i I don't know if they if they something you know some injury wise happens or you know we get more Kyrie holding out or whatever like that for some games, I think things could spiral quickly. I'm not I think this team. I love Luka Doncic, and I love a lot of players. And whatever you think about Kyrie Irving, they still have two of the top 20 players in the NBA. This is still one of the best duos in the NBA uh, that you're going to see in Dallas this year. The The concern for me with, with, with this team is, have we still figured out exactly how to put pieces around Luka Doncic? And I think that... This is one of the best versions we've seen of it yet, JVT, but I'm I've finally hit the point with the Maz of I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get excited about this team until I kinda see it. Mm. So for me, I'm not saying that it would be a non-bet and, and this is probably a division I'm not betting at all. I gotta wait, wait and see that team in action this year. I gotta wait and see the Pelicans in action this year. How Zion gonna come back? What kind of shape's he gonna be in? Is he gonna miss more time? You know how much I love Zion. That's why honestly, I'd probably stay away from this division completely. And then obviously the Grizzlies got everything going on with John Moran. So it really is. It's really an interesting division that maybe. Maybe I think if you were betting it before the season, the only way to go is, is the way you're talking yeah. about. Otherwise, if you're someone like me, it's wait till you get in season and reevaluate things. But the Mavericks, you might want to actually bet before the season.
3: My last question about this division, I feel like sometimes we let, and I, I think this happens in setting the odds sometimes as well, like narrative carries over into projecting out for some of these teams. So I bring that up because... A lot of people during free agency were asking the question, what are the Rockets doing? And there's a lot of a lot of people were shocked that a guy like Dylan Brooks got money. Mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks has value, right? Dylan Brooks is a good defender. Dylan Brooks is a valuable NBA player, okay? Yes, the last season ended wrong. We all remember what we saw last. There were teams that covered them. And maybe the Rockets overpaid. That's fine. Still a good player. Fred Van Vliet, say what you want. He's a good NBA point guard. Did the Rockets overpay? Sure. But it's actually only $30 It's actually only three years. And, by the way, team option for the third year. So it's actually not terrible in terms of what you're giving them because after two years you could say, sayonara, we're done. Are the Rockets really – like, I look at this and I see them on par with the Spurs. But you have a core of Fred VanVleet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Alperin Shangoon. You have young pieces that I think could contribute. We talked about Cam Whitmore potentially being a rookie of the year – Am I wrong in thinking the Rockets are really gonna be this bad? Like they're really gonna fight for only 30 wins
1: this season. So I think this this one's interesting because I don't know if I don't know that I'm running to bet that win total <coughs> over JVT, but the way the way I might approach this is is the wait till more markets open up and if we get one of those like matchups, right? Like if you gave me Spurs Rockets matchup, right? Oh man, I, I'd be hammering the Rockets.
3: Yeah, on. a one win difference between yeah. the Spurs and the Rockets. That that's I that seems light to me.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree with that.
3: And I just think like, when you're looking at what Houston can potentially be, like there's a lot of pretty good pieces here. And here's, we're not even attributing one of the bigger changes. It might be a creep. Email your is a good coach. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's got now veterans on this roster that are at least going to help. You might not understand big picture, what they're doing because they have a young core, but they got better and the young pieces are still there and pretty good. And you can make the argument that there is some depth to this team that when and if a Fred Van Vliet gets injured or Dylan Brooks or these other, like, you're replacing them with high-end young pieces. They're going to take on some starting roles. I I feel like we've gone a little too far with this. Like, I understand if you don't understand what the Rockets did, but there's still, like, this is still a collection of pieces that I think kind of fits and is going to be a little bit better than the market would think. I
1: I think that the difference, I I think there's two things of the – like, okay, if you want to talk about all the money they paid for Fred Van Vliet and, and Dylan Brooks, yeah, it's a lot of money. Is it too much money? Yeah, it's probably too much money, but those words depend on team to team, right. right? The Rockets had a ton of open cap space, so like, the money really doesn't matter for them, The what they're paying Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. What you pointed out, the years on those contracts honestly matter more, but I do kind of agree with Drew. I mean, he said this when he was just on with this earlier it's a little odd to me that you're going to you're in a full rebuild mode and like a man and cam woodmore got to be yeah. coming off the bench and backing up guys because you just went out and signed guys at the same position
3: like they that, should be starting
1: they should be starting sure. like get those guys reps asap
3: but not liking the long-term plan is not the same as understanding what the team's going to be this year correct you know i'm saying like correct. those are yes. two different things as i hold up my little fists all right last 10 let's get out of here on a high note on a numbers game